Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. What's up? You're listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection every Thursday at 7, right here on Seattle Sports 710. We're broadcasting live from the Bellevue Square Center Court. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Paul Moyer, a.k.a. Paul Moy Yeezy. How you doing? No, I'm not an, I'm, I'm Moye. I call, I say, I go more easy. Be weezy, right? Nah, you know, I mix it up. Uh, if you, if you prefer Moye, though, I'll just say Moye. I, it's a brand, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to be messing with the brand. I feel that. like my company, I, I got to keep it right. So. I feel that. Uh, but big, big week coming up here. Big, big win last week. Yeah, big um, win last week. 24 to 20, uh, your Seattle Seahawks takedown with the second or first at the time, best defense in the league. And uh, they got it done, man. There are some things that we wanted to see last week, right? I know we were sitting here before the show talking about the red zone. Before last week, I believe the Hawks were 1-8 scoring touchdowns, trips in the red zone. If you want to be a good football team, you got to be able to get inside the 20 and get her done. We talked about Geno a little bit. Uh, JSN, who we're going to see later, he's going to come here and visit you guys and hopefully sign some autographs. He has his second week in a row with a, with a touchdown. Jake Bobo's doing this thing. It's like the veterans are holding it down. But then we're getting these rookies popping it and doing their thing, too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of rookies. I mean, offensive line, we got Bradford, uh, you know, um, on the defensive side, obviously, we got Witherspoon. And these guys aren't just on the field. I mean, they're, they're making plays. They're, they're impactful. I thought last week was, um, and I'm really excited about this week, too, because I think this week, we go on the road and beat Baltimore. I'm all in yeah. as a Super Bowl contending team. And last week kind of flipped me. Uh, and mainly because that defense that we went up against Cleveland, they were for real. Yep. They were good against uh, run defense. They were great at putting pressure on the quarterback. And I thought we handled it. I thought we, I don't want to say we dominated the game, but we won both sides of the football uh, in that game. So, you know, a lot of great things. I think Geno's finally starting to get a little more comfortable and that, hey, we don't have to force things. You know, just keep spreading it around. The big one, obviously, going into last week was we just weren't great in the red zone, but we yep. did some good things last week also. But, yeah, we got a couple of good. We got uh, JSN is going to be here at 730. Um, we, we'll have some good conversation there and what he's doing. Yeah, and we also got to see uh, Jason Peters, right? He joined that offensive yes. line, the, uh, the, the old man in football, young man in life, right? 41 years old. They call you the old man in the locker room, but in life, he's still good to go. So it was nice to see him get out there and, and how he impacts this offensive line. There's been a lot of movement on this offensive yeah. line. You mentioned Anthony Bradford. Um, you pointed out some really good plays that he had against the Cincinnati Bengals and then against the Cleveland Browns. How important is this line, man? I mean, it's all about the big boys in the trenches, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm really comfortable with what we have up the middle right now. I mean, you got Lewis and um, Evans and then Bradford. Bradford's so strong. He's our, the rookie out of LSU for us. And I'm telling you guys, when he extends his hands on somebody, he shoves that defensive lineman, 320-pound guys and more, usually over two gaps. He, he, I think he's going to be a really good football player. Um, but, you know, the old, at the end of the day, the real story is what this defense is doing. It is. Man. And it's, it's now the, the last four games, or, or since week four, some of those things have come out, we're basically the number one defense in the NFL, both in yards, yards per attempt, 
um, I believe, points allowed. Uh, if you actually go into this game since week four, Baltimore and Seattle are really one and two. So this is the battle. And we talked about last week going into this game, Seahawks had to outplay Cleveland's defense, and they did. And it's the first time I felt in probably five, maybe six years, we've got three tiers of really good football players. In the secondary, I don't see a weakness. I, I mean, I just see strengths and, and um, um, options for, you know, what we can call. Our linebackers, I, to me, Bobby Wagner's been rejuvenated, whatever that is. And it might be because of Jordan Brooks is playing so well. I mean, he is playing at a Pro Bowl. He's playing at an all-pro level. I just hope he gets the votes. I hope it doesn't become a popularity contest. He gets rewarded for his play. And the defensive line, and we've added, and we'll talk about that too, our defensive line, what we've done, we've gone from this big, huge 340, 50-pound guys to really quick guys who are disruptive. And uh, we got pressure on the edge this is a really good defense, and it feels uh, that we're just getting started. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the defensive line because obviously there was a move made this week. You signed Leonard Williams from the New York football Giants. I thought it was a great move. Um, the Giants pick up the bulk of his contract. They didn't pay a lot for him. They did give up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick. Um, if he does not sign with the Seahawks, I believe they get a third-round pick after this year. And then there was a, a move made by the 49ers as well. Chase Young goes to the 49ers, and I got people hitting me up. I'm sure they hit you up, too. They're oh, yeah. like, why didn't you go after Chase Young? I go, well, there are some things uh, behind the scenes that really affected that. But I like the deal for the Seahawks because you get a guy that fits your need right now. And what does Leonard do? He brings uh, physicality to that interior defensive line. He's a guy that can take on the double teams. And it's, it's such a thankless position when you're playing that one and that three tech, you're inside, because you're going to affect the game that to the untrained eye, people aren't going to see. So when you break down uh, Williams and you break down the Chase Young situation, well, what, what do you see? What can you tell the people, Moyer? Yeah, so a so couple things to this, because <clears throat> I think word's starting to get out. So first of all, the Seahawks, from a salary cap standpoint, really had no money. And so why did this trade happen? Well, and why did we have to give up a second and a fifth round pick? As he mentioned, there's a, a compensatory pick when you lose a free agent. And it depends on how much playing time and, more importantly, how much money they get uh, as a free agent next year. So let's just say we lose Leonard Williams next year. More than like, you get between a third and a seventh round pick. So we'll get someone there. Let, 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 let's say it's a fifth round pick. That's kind of what the Giants were saying we would have gotten even if we didn't trade him this year. So we said, fine, we'll, we'll give that to you. We don't have any money. And so normally we might have given up a third or a fourth round pick, but they just said, we will pay the 10, 11 million, whatever's left on his contract this year that you guys can't afford but you're going to have to give up a little bit more. So we gave up a second-round pick. Why did we do that? Because we got Denver's third-round pick. That, and, and that would be another thing. Is, um, one is our second-round pick's probably going to be closer to a third-round pick because of the success I think we're going to have. We got Denver's third-round pick that we did a late trade last year in a draft. So kind of we, you know, a wash on that. Now, let's talk about Chase Young. Everybody goes, oh, why wouldn't you get Chase Young? Well, first of all, we couldn't afford him. 
You know, the 49ers are going to pay his contract. They gave up a third, I believe. The other thing is, you know, Chase Young's 265 pounds. He's more of an edge rusher. we got plenty of edge rushers right now. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have Chase Young, but he's got a bad knee. There's some concerns on that. We just, that wasn't a need. Now let me bring it back now. Why Leonard Williams? Well, one, he's a pro bowler. Uh, He was a very high draft pick. He's under 20, he's under 30, he's 29 years old. Um, and he's got size. He's 6'4", 6'5". He's almost 300 pounds, about 290 pounds. Great against the run, great against the pass, and we needed depth interior more than we needed on the edge. So for us, home run pick, and I think more importantly for you as fans, Seahawks are all in. They, they believe this is a Super Bowl contending team. We're going to find out this weekend and really over the next four or five weeks. We've got the 49ers twice. We've got Philadelphia we got Baltimore. we got a tough stretch, and they all have great offensive lines. We needed somebody to help solidify that. And my favorite people over the 32nd Street, let's go! <laughs> my, my, my old neighbors. All right. You gotta, to we're, we're on radio, so we're here. We see 32nd Street, but those they are know. your old neighbors. You all know. Those are your old neighbors. I'm going to go get them a big okay. hug here in a minute. Sounds good. So when it's all said and done, the best move for the Seahawks. I couldn't be more excited about it. I want to see what he does when he hits the field this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens. But we're just getting started. When we return, we'll talk to linebacker John Radigan. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. Every Thursday right here at 7 on Seattle Sports 710, man, we're broadcasting live from Bellevue Square Center Court. And now we have John Radigan, linebacker for the Seahawks on the line. What's up, John? What's going on? I appreciate you. Hey, appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, man. Always, um, always show some love because you guys got a lot going on, right? You're five and two. You guys are making a push. You're flying to the East Coast. So I know there's a lot of things you could be doing, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that, man. Hey, I'm going to get right into it, man. I'm from a military family, right? My dad was in the Marines. My uncles covered all of the branches. And, um, man, you decided to take a different route, man. Was, was Army always something that you wanted to do, or did, was that the only offer that you have? Like, walk us through your decision um, to go to the Army Institution and play some ball. Yeah, so I, I didn't have as extensive a military family, but both my grandpas were a huge inspiration to me, and uh, they both served in the Army way back in the day. And so when I was going through recruitment and, uh, you know, trying to find what place fit me best in terms of, where to go to college, I, I was really intrigued by all the academies, to be honest, but Army definitely showed the most interest. And when it came down to it, I really loved my visit out there. I really loved everything they had to offer. And I was, I was you know, very committed to um, the military life that would come post-academy. And so I was all on board from, from being recruited. I mean, I had some other schools, nothing crazy, no, no really big offers out there. And um, I felt like it was a great opportunity to play solid Division One football, get a great education, and then, you know, have a, have a, a lot of military life afterwards. Really excited to have you on. I got so many questions for you, John. But first of all, I just want to congratulate you. Earlier this week, the Seahawks announced John Radigan as their 2023 Salute to Service Award nominee. And by the way, voting goes through November. So congratulations on that, obviously. Yes. 
We got about 800 people here cheering you on right now, John. But, you know, look, we, we, Mike and I both played, obviously, in college and in the NFL. And when I was at Arizona State, it was like, yeah, take three classes, and, but mostly <laughs> be freed up for practice uh, uh, because we used to change practice times. But I, I got to believe as a cadet there, you guys had a very different schedule. Would you mind just sharing what the life was like when you were going to college and trying to mix all the, the duties you had as well as with practice? Just give me a day in the life of a cadet. Yeah, and I guess to start off, I'll say it was certainly different than everybody else uh, I'm in the locker room with now. Um, it was, it was uh, academy life. I mean, you got to wake up. You know, every morning and, and get all your stuff done. You got to make your bed and put on your uniform, look, look, uh, have good appearance every day. And so you would have to wake up by at least six in the morning in order to get all that done and then get out there for formation. That would lead right into breakfast. And from breakfast, you go right to class. So, you know, football and the military, they kind of, they put all the football stuff in the afternoon. So, we would go to class in the morning and that would cover everything up until around 1 p.m. And as soon as everybody was done with all their academics, we would take a bus or you could walk if you wanted to walk uphill to the football facilities. And that would be, you know, our whole afternoon. So we were pretty much getting after it from, I would say, 7 in the morning when people might have had a class starting until 2 academically. And from football, we'd be there from, you know, anywhere from 2 to 6, 2 to 7. Sometimes middle of the season, those late, those late nights, those late practices, you don't get back down to your room until 8 p.m. So you really just had a full day of work every single day. And that's the bottom line. There was just a lot to it. But me and, and all my friends that, that I went to school with and everybody that's still there right now and came way before me, um, you know, everybody is willing to do that, and it's a, it's a truly incredible experience. Yeah, John, it, it sounds like being in that institution really helped mold who you are, right? I don't know where I would be without football. It taught me discipline, how to be on time, how to prepare. But I felt like you guys, your preparation was at a different level. What, what did being in that environment do for you as a football player and as a man? I think it really helped me grow up maybe four years earlier than I normally would have. Um, I always kind of thought about things from that perspective while I was at West Point. It was, you had to get ready in the morning. You had to look presentable. You had to um, just kind of do everything that most people working a nine to five job are doing. But on top of that, you know, we were still playing division one football. And so just kind of juggling everything and, and include the, the rigorous academics. Um, it was really just, being able to juggle everything, being able to learn time management and as the years went on, get better at that and ultimately maturing yourself to being able to understand how you go about all that, right? It might, it might not, you might have a good day and think, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this another week. But it's getting over that and just proving yourself constantly that you are getting better, you're growing, and this is only making you a stronger person that ultimately gets you through. So, um, I would say, you know, time management and just it really it really kind of makes you mature as fast as you possibly can, because that's the only way you start to feel comfortable and, and, and realizing that you're growing as you get older at the academies. 
There was a time if you were, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, and you were playing college sports, you know, you really didn't have an opportunity to go to professional sports. But that, that changed. I don't know that much about it. I don't think the, the people here and the listeners probably know that much. But what was the process you needed to go through to obtain special prover, approval to defer the service and pursue this NFL dream of yours? So I had to meet with some uh, Army lawyers and go over a, a lot of different paperwork. But um, ultimately, uh, the, the Secretary of Friends, he will approve a packet every year that allows us to stay playing professional sports. And it had gone back and forth for the longest time, and it still kind of is. You know, I came out at a favorable time for athletes to where, like I said, they will still annually review a packet up for us and, uh, you know, accept, accept the fact that we're playing in professional sports and we're representing from that end. And, um, that's kind of how the policy was when I was coming out. I believe they're going back to changing it a different way. And so it's kind of back and forth like it always has been. But uh, as long as we get the approval from the Secretary of Defense and we, you know, hold up our end of the bargain, we, we represent as best we can. We, uh, you know, provide for the military community and, and the communities that our teams represent. Um, that's really, that's, that's the most they could ask for. Do you have additional commitments in the future? I still have five years of service post-playing career. So whether that comes as it would post-graduation, where I branch the branch that I had my, my last year at the academy, or I have to transition to a different type of role because of um, like physical limitations, depending on the time frame, um, I do still owe five years of service. How do you feel about that? And, and again, I don't know what that means. I mean, you probably don't know what that means. Hopefully you have a 10-year career in the NFL. Right. I think that's the cool part, honestly, is that it gives us the flexibility to fully focus and just be 100% committed to football or soccer or hockey, whatever sport that, you know, that we played and excelled in at the academies. It lets us kind of make the most of our careers. And I feel good because once it's over with, um, I'll be able to serve for five years. I'll have a job for five years. I'll be able to give back for five years. And um, ultimately, that's why school was free for me in college, right? When everybody that goes to the academies, that's their, that's their payment is five years of service. So um, it, only, it, it feels right, to be honest, that I still would have to hold up my end of the bargain. John, so now you're, you're in the NFL. And uh, I would assume when you went to Army, um, you planned on serving um, your country after you were done playing ball over there. But then you become an uh, All-American your senior year. Was that when you realized, like, hey, man, I might want to try this NFL thing? Or was that always something that you wanted to do and you were hoping to play good enough to get that opportunity? It really came about my, during my senior year. I had always, since, since being a little kid, you know, I – if I'm playing football, if, if I'm still in the in prime of my football career, I want to play in the NFL. Um, and so I never let that leave the back of my mind, but I was so focused on other things at the academy, and I was really just kind of more focused on developing as a person. And thankfully that paid off, and by the time I got to my senior year, things were really you know, going well from, from academics to the military side of things to um, certainly my football career. And so I was – able to just take advantage of the fact that that um football had really 
turned out to be favor a favorable thing for me there because you know when I was younger I, I I did struggle in football I didn't have the some crazy uh, all American career for four years there it really only came about my senior year um, and then during the course of my senior year I had scouts reaching out and that was when I realized that the NFL was a legit possibility and so I kind of transitioned my mind to really focus on that and be committed to kind of using this platform that I have because now three years later I couldn't be any more grateful and and it's certainly been a wild ride but I'm, I'm very thankful. Well, we're pretty thankful and blessed uh, you're here as well. Okay, we, we do something every year. We talk about the greatest rivalries in sports, and it's all over the board. It's like Boston and the Lakers, some, you know, the college guys, it's Alabama and Auburn. For, the, for those who, it's University of Washington and Oregon, which I don't really get that one. But I've argued it's not even close. It's Army-Navy because it does not matter. It's the only rivalry It truly doesn't matter. The records, people are watching that. Can you at all describe or just give us what that week's like and what that rivalry is all about? Yeah, for Army, we had we always had two weeks going into it. So they were big weeks. At the, at the academy, there's a lot of hype around it. You know, there's a lot of um, pride that just kind of – it's not just the football team. It's everybody involved. It's, it's a huge rivalry. So – Along with that comes all the, the fun and the you know festive type of things that um, schools can get into. And so it means a lot. It means a lot to the football team because we have something to prove and we want to have bragging rights and we want to be, you know, more competitive. So we want to win. Um, and it means a lot to the whole school because everybody's going to be there and ultimately everybody wants the bragging rights and everybody wants to see their, their team that they support win. But the coolest part is that at the end of the day, whoever wins, whoever loses, we're all, we're all in this together. We're all going through a very similar life. We're all going through a very similar schedule. We're all fighting through these uh, tough engineering classes that we didn't know we had to take, but we ended up having to take. And, um, so it's just, it's just really cool because, to be honest, it's a big rivalry, and, and it, it definitely has that feel to it where we're against one another. But uh, ultimately, we know that we're all together, and um, – it's just a cool representation of the military. Well, John, man, uh, we appreciate your time on this Thursday. We appreciate your intentions going into Army and, and the potential of what you have to do after you're done playing this game. Uh, so we're sitting here talking football, and guys like you make this possible, man. So yep. uh, we appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Good luck in Baltimore. Sounds good. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. I'm going to say go Army, beat Navy. Let's go. Thanks, John. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. Go <laughs> Army. All right, that's John Radigan. When we return, we'll go all around the NFL. What's going down in the league? That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. We are back. This is Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. We're here every Thursday. I, got, I see some regulars out here, Moyer. They come and support us every single week. If you're not I a regular, it. it's all good. We're glad you're here now, man. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Paul Moyer. It's time to go around the NFL. Now, we got to start in the Bay. Yeah. It's going down in the Bay right now, man. You got Brock Purdy in the gang losing three in a row. I was waiting for this moment for Brock Purdy. 
because everything was nice. You got the best defense in the league. Debo Samuels balling. Christian McCaffrey, 17 games in a row with a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, who's the best receiver on that team. But you got Debo Samuel, who's a great athlete. And then they hit a bump in a row. And then I'm looking at Brock Purdy. I'm saying, all right, Mr. Irrelevant, this is something you have not experienced before on this level. How are you going to bounce back? Now, I'm not ready to say Brock Purdy's done. He, he can't play in this league. But uh, it makes me interested because we're in first place in NFC West right now, Thankful uh, for thankfully because uh, we have the 49ers drop three in a row. When you look at the Niners right now, how close are we? Have we passed them up? I know we're first in the West, but you know how this game is. Matchups, personnel, all that stuff matters. Just what are your thoughts on the 49ers? Well, it's been good. I mean, when they were 5-0, and we went, uh-oh. You know, this is – and Purdy, I – I like Purdy as a person. I think he is an incredible human being. He's a guy you want to root for, even though he's a 49er, which is hard for me to root for. But you do root for good people. But there's always a weakness I, we see in his game. And when you've had a full year, mo- almost a year, of film, right. and people see you in the offseason, and then they, now that we start a new season, they're going to force you to adjust to your weaknesses. And his weaknesses, he just doesn't have a really strong arm. He's off. He's got to be on timing. And so now people are, which I always say, with 49ers, protect the middle of the field, force them to throw outside the numbers. And he's starting to try to get the ball over linebackers' heads. He's starting to create some turnovers. I think he's still capable. Um, And when they get Samuel back, and now they got Chase Young, look, they're formidable. They got a great defense. But things come back to the pack to you really quick. And people start to find your weaknesses. And if you don't make those adjustments, you go on a three-game losing streak like they have. Not kicking them out. I don't, they're going to be a playoff team. It's going to be a battle when we play them over the next twice over the next six weeks, I think. Um, but I like our chances now. Right. I think we match up defensively really well. I think when we eventually get Abe Lucas back at right tackle, hopefully – We've got a complete line as well. And then we've got five receivers now that D. Eskridge is back. We're going to have JSN here in a bit, too. I mean, we got tight ends. We, we just, we're loaded across the board, so there's no excuses. We have closed the gap, and actually, we've more than closed the gap. We, we're 5-2, and two and they're 5-3. and three. Yeah, um, you've been saying this since the Jimmy Garoppolo days, make them throw outside the numbers. And I watched the interceptions that Brock Purdy has. Guess what it is? digs across the middle they're dropping that Mike linebacker and clouding that space for him I think teams are starting to to figure that out something interesting happened the other day Uh, the Raiders lost on a Monday night and with the next day Josh McDaniels is out of there the second time he's been fired as a head coach over there in the second year (laughs) of that contract it's so hard to keep a job in the NFL man yeah but you get a head coach if you get a head coach kick I mean Fire me. I'm good. <laughs> Guaranteed you know, money. Look, for me at my age, I'm going to go work on my golf game. But it's not the coaches, man. It's the organization. Since 2000, they have had 13 head coaches. And actually, I think it's 14 if I retread uh, Gruden uh, twice. The Seahawks have had two and a half since 2000. And I say two and a half. We had Mike Holmgren. And then for the one year, we had Mora, which was kind of forced on the, the Seahawks from the previous general manager. We, he gets one year, and we bring in Pete Carroll. I mean, that's stability. That's a good organization. The Raiders are just a bad organization. And you got Mark Davis, who anybody who has 
Sorry, if anybody's got a bowl cut like that, I apologize. But <laughs> come on, man. I mean, just that alone just shows that he doesn't make good decisions. Um, his dad was brilliant. He was. I mean, Al Davis, you know, whatever you want to think about him, he was an innovator. He was well ahead of his game. They won a lot of Super Bowls. You get older, things may pass you by a little bit, or older. I don't want to say old because I'm that age. Um, his son... It happens a lot in business. You know, when the kids take over the business, about 80% of them have been driving it into the ground. Mark Davis, to me, has done that. All right, we got about a minute here, Moyer. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles take on the Dallas Cowboys, a game that um, we need to watch go down. The Cowboys are 5-2, and two, fourth in the NFC. Philadelphia Eagles 7-1, and one, number one in the NFC. What's this game going to come down to? I'm kind of torn on this game. I was going to ask you, yeah. one, who you, who you hope and wins. I, I, you I'm want torn. the Dallas Cowboys to win. I'm torn. Because that, that puts Philly at 7-2. and two. I, we, we've, we play Philly, so we can take care of business, right? We control our own destiny. The only reason why I kind of want Philly to whoop up on them, I just don't want the Cowboys to be a problem for us. Mm-hmm. You know, where they all said they're, they're battling and they're, they're super skilled. I think we match up well against Philadelphia. That is going to be a battle in, I don't know, six weeks, five weeks, whenever that is. Um, so, look, they're all out in front of us. We got the 49ers twice. And we got Philly coming here. We got the Cowboys we're going to go to. And here's the great thing. When we go to play the Cowboys, we're wearing our throwback jerseys again. And right now I know we're undefeated this year in our throwback jersey. So I'll be at that game. Just letting you know I will not be here, but I'm going to do a couple of segments so I can get paid for uh, doing the pre-postgame halftime. It's going to leave me by myself, huh? No, All right. There's others. That's fine. That's there's fine. There's others out there. There's no one like you, though, Moyer. No one like Appreciate you. Appreciate you, bro. My man. All right. Hey, when we return, man, we'll, we'll hear from the young guy making noise, caught a touchdown in yes. those throwback jerseys. Jackson Smith and Jigba will be here next on Hawks Live. There we go. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bombas with Paul Moyer. We are awaiting the arrival of JSN. You know, he, he ain't from here. So, you know, he probably made a wrong turn somewhere, looking for that valet, you know. Head Moyer, south. You, you know all about the valet. Head north. You, you pull it up and toss the keys and, and hop out your whip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that. No, I, I have the same parking spot I always go to so no one hits my car, which they'll, they'll do often. And, yeah, I'm excited to get JSN here. You know, he's a, a Dallas kid or just outside of Dallas in, in Rockwell, Rockwall, excuse me, 3,000 students. And you were saying you think Lake Stevens Close to 4,000. I'm going to have to look that up. Look it up. I'm just, I just not sure that. Look it up. And I, I don't want to say you're wrong. I might be wrong. Close to but it. Close that, to four. I didn't know we had a school that big in the, you know, in, in the state of Washington. But, hey, you know, Texas, I'm up north in the country, man. You know, they do it different up there. I do. I do. <laughs> um, Allen, they, they actually will we'll bring this up to you. Allen High School, which is in Texas, a, a powerhouse there. They got like Five, uh, close to 5,000 students. Crazy. And I was just reading that one of the fastest growing places, particularly in Texas, is, is kind of that north uh, part of Texas outside of uh, Dallas and uh, kind of the Frisco area, Rockwall. They were talking about they just did a bond um, or they, they're building a new high school stadium. It's $150 million. Wow. I don't know how big. It's probably 20,000 seats, maybe 30, but they, that's what they get there. 
and they have no problem getting those bonds passed through because high school football there, it's not even high school uh, football. It's high school. It's school. If you go and look at those schools, that yeah. the ones they're building right now, they look like colleges. They are so nice. So they don't mess around in Texas in, in, for education. Yeah, it's a, it's a different culture uh, down, down in, uh, in the big state of Texas, man. But let's talk about what we've seen out, out of this young man so far. You know, it, it's been a progression. I know when you're the 20th pick, um, you are joining a receiver core that already has some established guys. Yeah. People were still expecting him to hit the ground and have 100 this game, 150 that game. You got to realize, man, you got DK, you got Lockett, you got a, a tight end room that's good to go. And there's an adjustment period that happens in the NFL. And I think we're starting to see him really kind of understand what his role is. And I think Shane Waldron is finally understanding how to get him the football. His very first touchdown, um, it, it was a simple post route. I call it a sailor combination. He was on the outside. Tyler Lockett on the inside. Tyler has the corner. He has the post. The safety rolls with the post. The corner, cornerback stays with the corner, and he's wide open. Gino puts a ball on him. And I could imagine just the relief that was off of him. Like, okay, I'm in the end zone. I know how to get it done. And then the following week, the game-winning touchdown. It, I, I like where he's headed right now. Well, I think he's healthy. Remember, he had a bit of the hamstring thing his senior year, and I think he wasn't that healthy even uh, through preseason, right? Yep. Um, so now he's healthy. He looks, not that he was never fast or quick, but he looks quick. He looks like the 20th pick in the draft, and um, they're starting to try to feature him. There was one play, it was, uh, was at Cincinnati game, where they, they created yeah. this play for him. Yeah. Man, he was wide open. Again, something flashed in front of Gino. Gino didn't see him. Um, and now they're creating opportunities for him. Before, early on, it was bubble screens, quick screens. Let's just get him the ball maybe and see if we can get some space. But they're all short routes. Now they're starting to develop some routes. And it's critical because of the way they're playing DK, the way they play Tyler. Um, we got a lot of receivers. You got Jake Bobo. You know, got D. Eskridge, you know, JSN. So the weapons are there. The, the tough part, obviously, for Gino is how do I spread this thing around to everybody and make them – all happy. I want to ask Jason. I go, I, did, you know, what's that like in the receiver room, man? You you got four <laughs> targets. He got nine. You all mad at each other? <laughs> DK had fourteen of them things uh, last know. week, so I think he's good. But he, <laughs> he's still third on the team in targets, which is crazy because they're because you mentioned all those names. Um, it seems like it's spread out so evenly, which it is, right? You got your two at the top. You got Jason, and then I believe Noah Fant or Kobe Parkinson are third and fourth, and then you're throwing Will Disley. That's a good Not problem to have. Man, it's man. that you have so many weapons you're trying to get them to football and trying to create ways to get them to football. If I'm Shane Waldron at night, I'm sitting down, and I'm looking at film, and I'm saying, all right, I have the big down-the-field type of guy. Um, I have the reliable back of the end zone type of dude in Tyler Lockett. And then you have this JSN kid who you're trying to really figure out what he can do on this level. It, it has to be fun trying to game plan for those type of guys. Yeah, I think they know what he can do. And I, you're seeing more and more things created just for him. Um, yeah, I, there's so many weapons. We, we didn't even talk about the running backs, too. I mean, no, we didn't. You know, screen game. I'd like to get, you know, canine out in the open field. And then Charbonnet starting to really come on as well. So, 
Yeah, the, you know, and look, JSN has also been, I don't know, would you call it wide receiver you? I it mean, at Ohio State. definitely is at this point. I mean, it's, Garrett it's Wilson, crazy. Olave. I mean, it, um, who, who's their stud? The guy's talking about the first Marvin Harrison Marvin Jr. Harrison. coming out. Emeka is, is, will be the next one out, out, of, out of there. You know, there's been a few good high school kids that have, you know, from here in the state of Washington went there, can't play, get any playing time. Right. You know, that's how, how deep that is. And so he, he gets what it's like to, to battle for targets. Um, I, I ask you, what is that like? I mean, you know, on the defense side, you know, I'm, I go create my own targets. <laughs> you guys got to wait for the ball to come to you. Well, I think you, because um, when I played, I had Jason Hill, who at the time held a lot of records in the Pac-10 at the time. Uh, for were, touchdowns and yards, right. and then uh, Brandon Gibson, who played in the NFL as well. I think you just understand the situation and when you're when it's your time to shine. You know, for me, it was third downs. Third downs, they knew send me across the middle, I got you. Um, get you down the field. We get into the red zone. I go, all right, I've done my job. You're gonna go outside up top <laughs> to the other guys. So I think once you um, you settle down and you understand just when is your time to shine, you take advantage of those opportunities because if you throw the ball 35, 40 times a game, I mean, you're going to get five, six, seven targets. So I think, um, and then you look, at, you look at the room and you realize who you're dealing with. And you know that if the guy outside of me or the guy on the other side is playing good football, they're going to game plan to stop him. That opens everybody else up. So on offense, is, is every play, so when they call a play, I can't believe I don't know this, but when they call a play, are you the target, or does the defense dictate the target? So going into a game, do you have an idea? I, I'm probably, if we throw it 30, I'm, I'm going to be targeted eight times. But on, a, on every call, is, is DK, is it, you know, spread right, whatever, DK on one? <laughs> no, it's, um, you get the game plan, and you look at what the defense is trying to do, and there are certain plays where you know I'm going to get this football if they come out in the defense that we think they're going to come out in. And then you get to the line of scrimmage, you're looking at the defense, you say, okay, this is my job. Like, um, I'll never forget, we used to run this play 4X. All it is, 10-yard dig, boom, and I'm running the seam. They call that play, and literally in the huddle, I look at my guy I go, I got you. Because I know the only way I'm getting this football is if they blitz us or if that safety hops down. And I look, they're in quarters. They're not going to hop down on this. So my job is to hold that safety so my guy underneath can get the football. I got you. I'll so, clear this out Yeah, you. Yeah, you got to be unselfish, right? But I think there are certain plays that are designated for you. I knew when we ran bubble screens and uh, these, these hunt routes in the middle of the field, that's what I'm here to do. But then you look at the defense, and they might change some things in game plan, some stuff. So, no, you know, if you're a smart football player, you kind of figure that out. But if you are one of those guys who just runs the route that's on the paper, you might get a little frustrated because you're not knowing, you don't know what you're looking at on the back end. What's it like on the, de on the defensive side? You guys get into the, the film room and say, all right, we got to eliminate this guy. Let everyone else do their thing. Let's get rid of this guy. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, we got to take that guy away, or we say, hey, we're going to take everybody else away, and we'll 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 de we'll defend that. But a lot of times it's just form. It's usually it's more formation driven. Um, I used to have a thing called uh, the, we called an audible defense, and my audible would be wherever that guy is, we're rolling to that guy. Right. And didn't matter if he motioned across, we're rolling that. No matter what, we are going to take him away. But that was really rare because in, in today's, what, what are you going to take DK away? Uh, we're all, we're going to take DK away. Well, JSN's going to kill you. 
Tyler Lockett's going to kill you. I mean, there's there's a lot of other guys that can kill you. So, all right, I learned a little bit, man. This is good. Hey, hey, I know. learned a little bit watching you. Co- By this guy's a great coach. Coaching, uh, he's offense coordinator for Roosevelt High School. Went to his game this past Tuesday, playoff game. They, they're in Spokane this week, right? Spokane. Yeah, you uh, you do a great job. Really was impressed. To give we're, you, some love. We're breaking you don't even now. know what to say, do you? No, I just got, you know, Matt Nelson in the back. Telling me to break. He was just in my ear. Right. And uh, I was just letting you finish your comment before no, I broke. Because I was complimenting I you. No, I was going to let you finish, you know. <laughs> All right. Hey, when we return, hopefully, the young man, JSN, will be next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We are here every Thursday at 7 o'clock on Seattle Sports 710. I'm Michael Bompas with Paul Moyer. And now we are joined by the man himself, Jackson Smith and Jigwood. Jackson, how you doing, man? I'm going to blame that on our producer here. Sorry. There, now you're up. You hear me, you hear me? <laughs> how you What's doing, man? On? I'm doing great. Great to see everybody. Great to be here. Yes, yes. Thanks for coming out, man. Hey, um... There's a lot to talk about, right? Ohio State. Um, everyone remembers that Rose Bowl game. Obviously, what you've done the last couple weeks. But, you know, we do prep before the show. Our, our producer, NASA, hits us with a whole bunch of facts about you. I didn't know you was tearing it up like that in high school, man. Like, yeah. it, it's ridiculous. What? Numbers. 82 touchdowns in 44 games, man, in the state of Texas. Now, I'm from California, so, you know, we like to claim we got ballers. You know, Texas got ballers. Florida got ballers, too. So I show some yeah, love. Yeah. Man, uh, when, when did you realize? I know it was probably always aspirational for you to, to go to college and play in the league, but was there a moment in high school where you're just like, yeah, I'm that guy, and, and, <laughs> and we're going to make this happen? Yeah, I would say um, my junior year, I would say that's when it clicked to where, like, okay, I could be a professional uh, at this sport, and luckily, lucky, lucky me, here I am. Well, I'm, I'm looking at a senior year, and we, so JSN, I'm, let, me, let me, before I go on this, you're now JSN. How weird is that? I mean, look, there are people like Tiger, there's DK, there's a few people that's just a single name. Somehow yeah. it's transformed to JSN. Yeah. How, do, how do you feel about that? I feel good. I feel like it's a lot easier to pronounce <laughs> than uh, in Jigbo all the time. So I don't mind it at all. I heard the name in college and, you know, just been sticking with it ever since. You and I were chatting when my kids are, are in Dallas, and he's from Rockwell, Rockwall, excuse me, uh, Texas, which is just outside of, of Dallas, a little kind of northeast, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking, they just had a new bond that came out. They're building a $150 million high school football stadium. Wow. Which, again, is crazy. Now, Rockwall, you had about 3,000 students. Just talk about high school football there. We, we bring it up a bunch because we had a few guys who were in Houston, and they go, oh, we got the best football, and then Florida. But, you know, Dallas, Allen, you guys, you know, just talk about that moment. I may be biased. I know you're from Cali, okay. but in Texas, I just feel like it's second to none, you know. Um, the city, the support, you know, uh, football's a religion out there. And I was blessed to grow up um, to where, you know, people cared about football. And, you know, the stands were packed and, you know, I just, Friday Night Lights, you know, it's a real thing. But um, just growing up with your friends and, and, and going to high school and, and playing together, going down, you know, the road to state, you know, there's nothing like it. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's like the movie Friday Night Lights, but it's, it's close for sure. 
No, I, I feel it. Um, the culture's different in Texas. Yeah. They, they, they believe in football. You know, out here in California, man, you got to pass some levies and some bonds and stuff. <laughs> right. Out there, it, they, they just do it. Um, I love hearing about how guys became the person they are. Me, I grew up, I didn't have a, a brother or a sister, so I just out there with my boys on the block. But you have a brother, mm -hmm. man, who's a professional baseball player, man. I would, I would imagine there were some battles going on in the field, on the court, on the diamond. Like, what was that like, and how did yeah. he help you in your development? He's actually in attendance today. Um, Cannon? Yeah, that's my dog, There Cannon. he is. Um, a future Mariner, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, just growing up, we were competitive. You know, like you said, he plays baseball, you know, at the highest level. And, you know, it was tough. It was tough. He beat me a lot. Um, I'm starting to catch back up with the, the wins now, um, kind of <laughs> making it even. But, you know, it was hard. But I wouldn't be the person I am or the athlete or whatever, you know, without my big bro um, leading the way and showing me, you know, how to get it done. Well, he takes the baseball route. You take the football route. I'm guessing he looks like he's a football player, too. Yeah. So he, he definitely played. Yeah. And did you play baseball? I did, yeah, for a little Just bit. talk about who was better at what. Uh, he would definitely say he was better at football. He played, <laughs> he played football longer than I played baseball, so I give it to him. He definitely got that bill. He looked like he hurt somebody. Yeah. Now, you, you end up going to uh, the Ohio State University, uh, wide receiver you, man. Um, I mean, you got Wilson, you got Olave, um, you're out there. You got um, Marvin Harrison, you got Mecca, who's a local kid from this area. Yep. Uh, why did you choose that program, and what is it about that program that developed such good receivers? Yeah, um, what stood out was the development, and uh, Coach Mick, starting with him, our strength coach, one of the most known strength coaches in all of the country. Um, you know, I knew that he would – you know, if I stayed the course and listened to coaches like Coach Brian Hartline, being in the room with guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, all the guys that you mentioned, that, you know, I would, you know, uh, be sitting here, you know, hopefully going first round like I did, you know, and just being able to go down that road, I think, was, um, I seen it, you know, I seen it, um, how it unfolded for others, just staying the course is what I'm trying to say. And, and I knew that, you know, being in that position, I could do the same. You're wearing a sweatshirt. It's got some burnt orange on there, though. Yeah. Um, what, what were you? Were you were you a Texas fan? I mean, I know in Dallas, I'm not sure which direction that yeah. goes. Growing up, when I was small, I was an A&M fan. My dad was an A&M fan. And then around middle school, uh, I went to the Texas OU football game, like, every single year. I uh, thought I was going to go to those uh, colleges, either Texas or OU, but um, didn't. Ohio State was my first big offer my junior year. And, you know, once I didn't have Texas OU and all those guys from home and Ohio State offered me, I was like, forget it. We're just going to go be a Buckeye. Man, I want to ask you uh, some X's and O's, man. Um, we broke down your very first touchdown. Um, you're at the number one receiver. Tyler Lock is in the slot. You got the post. He has the corner. Booter Beck is at the safety. He ends up going with the corner and then you're wide open when you lined up and you heard that play is that what you anticipated was it a bust by the safety like walk us through that whole uh, scenario yeah so we had a crossing uh, concept and yeah I was hoping for uh, cover four to where you know they have their quarters and uh, Buda Baker you know he usually doesn't make that mistake a great football player obviously but you got to respect Tyler Lockett when he's running full speed at you and makes a cut so he respected Tyler Lockett took the corner and Gino see me coming 
down the middle wide open. And that wasn't an easy catch neither. It was kind of yeah. behind you. You had to put the brakes on a little bit. I know yeah. people are like, oh, it's wide open, great throw. Good, good throw. Gino <laughs> got you. But uh, yeah. I appreciate that about you because that, that's easily the average dude might have just dropped that and, and, yeah. and tricked off the bag for their very first touchdown. For sure. Well, they're definitely starting to create things for you. Matter of fact, the winning touchdown last week. And one thing that jumped out at us, I go, oh, he's healthy. I mean, the, the, the quickness that you had. And early on, it looked like they were just trying to get you the ball. You know, whether that was bubble screens, quick screens, just, you know, let's just get them touches. Have the plays expanded over the last few weeks for you? Uh, yes, sir. And I feel like you, you see that, you know, on the field. And, you know, I'm just excited to continue to take on bigger roles. You know, um, had a little injury, a little shakeup in the beginning of the season. Um, but return, you know, quickly to play. But I'm starting to definitely feel like I'm getting my groove and um, just trying to learn and, and grow uh, week by week. When they set you down and talked about how they're going to use you with this team. And in the preseason, I go, man, let me see my guy catch some, some punt returns. Yeah. They put you back there. Something told me they told you to fair catch it. They just want you to, uh, uh, to get possession there. It, was punt return something you wanted to do? I doubt they put you back there now. Uh, obviously, yeah. the 20th pick, they you want to protect know. you and nah, make sure you're good. But is you that never, something you wanted to do? Yeah, for sure. I, I felt like uh, anytime I can get the ball in my hands, it's good for, you know, my team. So, you know, I definitely would go back there. Uh, like I said, the injury in the beginning of the season. But, you know, you might see me back there here in a few weeks. I, I love that. Look, you guys are talent. You're talented at Ohio State, obviously, in the receiver group. You're, you're talented here. I mean, there's obviously DK, Tyler. I mean, throwing D, you. I mean, Bobo doing some stuff. Yeah. And we, I was talking with Bump. Bump played. He was a wide receiver. I was a DB, right? Uh -huh. So we didn't, we didn't complain about touches or, yeah. or opportunities. <laughs> what is that like? And, you know, again, you're, it's a crowded wide receiver room, and you can't give everybody 10 touches. But yeah. just how does that dynamic work? Um, you know, I feel like Coach Pete Carroll in the front office, they get guys who want to win, you know, first and foremost. And, you know, I can sense that on everybody in the receiver room. And, you know, yeah, yeah, it feels, definitely feels good to um, go for 100 yards and catch three, three TDs. But I feel like we have guys in our receiver room who just want to win and, you know, know, you know, just take what's given to them, you know, uh, week by week because you don't know um, what's going to happen, if it's going to be your day or not. But I just feel like I, in the receiver room, we approach the game the right way. Um, you know, Tyler Lockett, especially um, him leading, you know, him leading us. What was that, uh, that final drive like last week, right? You guys get the football. You got a chance to win the ball game. You're driving down, and then you get inside with the 15-yard line, and you hear your number being called, man. Walk yeah. us through the intensity in the huddle during that moment and then what that moment was like. When you heard the play call, you line up, you see you getting pressed off the edge, you got the safety over the top. If, if DK takes care of that, that corner, you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, first I would just say, um, you know, once we got the interception and we were going back on the field, I felt, you know, very comfortable. I felt, you know, everybody in the huddle felt, you know, comfortable that we were going to go down there and score. Um, you know, I think that was Gino brings that presence, you know, hey, we're about to go down there and win the game. And uh, we believed it, made a good plays. You know, um, being in the NFL, a lot of games are won in the four minute, two minutes. So this is something we practice a lot, a lot. And I feel like that's what prepared us to go out there and do what we do. Um, hearing my name called, you know, 
every every play, you know, RPO that has me involved or whatever, you know, I'm always thinking, hey, I could get this. What am I going to do? And you know, it was my time to get the ball, and DK made a great block, and you know, we won the game. Hell, just long enough, because you know we'd be holding as receivers. <laughs> Hell, just enough and let them go. You always yeah. holding, you know that. <laughs> All right, with enough football stuff. You're, you know, here you are. You grow up in Texas. You go to Ohio State. Now you're Northwest. Your brother's here. You know, just talk about a little bit, one, how you like in the Northwest. Yeah. What do you like to do in your free time? And, um, you know, just maybe even a little bit about your family. I know it's kind of three questions, but <laughs> you can take it anywhere you want. Just give them a little bit about you. Yeah, I mean, Washington's been, been beautiful. I mean, the, like I said, the weather's been unbelievable. I got here in April. Uh, spent a lot of time in the summers. Uh, spent a lot, a lot of time on the golf course. There you go. Uh, on Lake Washington. Again, the whole field. Uh, for the for the city and it's it's been unbelievable um, definitely super excited you know that I'm here as a Seahawk couldn't see myself anywhere else for real and um, yeah I mean going to Texas going to Ohio going to Seattle I feel like I've seen everything now but it's been amazing well, all right I know that's the 12's uh, like you. Jackson Smith and Jiggle we appreciate you taking time Thank out of your Thursday give it one more time for my man lots more to do when we return right here on Hawks Live Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumas with Paul Moyer here every Thursday at the Dining. This is presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Square Center Court. Man, hey, so it's time for us to go inside the film room. We love breaking plays down. And um, now the first play was a fun play because they got their bro throwback jerseys on. And uh, they get into, inside the five-yard line, and we're thinking, come on, you got to finish, right? Before this game, the Hawks were one for eight in the red zone, and they put Jake Bubble in motion, and some greatness happens here. Cut number one. Single setback, deep behind Gino, who goes under center. Bobo goes in motion. Bobo gets the handoff. He stops, cuts back inside. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. You want more, Bobo? You got it. He's been doing that so far in this season, coming in motion and being the lead blocker. That time he got the handoff, stops, cuts back inside from three yards out, dives into the end zone. The Seahawks are on the board, 6-0. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> All right, so um, on offense, once you get down there, you see number 19 in the game, you're thinking two things, right? They're going to go up top to him or they're going to use him as a blocker, which they've done plenty of times out here. So what they do is they put Jake Bobo in motion. Geno's under center. center. They start him from the left, move him to the right. And the left side of the line shows zone left blocking, right? Because typically Bobo's in motion, and he ends up blocking the backside DN. So the left side of the line goes, look, we're going to make it look like Ken Walker's getting the football. You look at the right side, now they're looking stretch right. They're showing that jet sweep look. So Jake Bobo gets the football, and the line parts like the Red Sea. <laughs> now, I think it was designed for him to get outside, but he becomes a football player. He sticks his foot in the ground and says, you know what? There's space right here. I'm going to get north-south instead of getting outside and score an easier touchdown. It would, he would have to work a little bit. If he were to get outside, he probably could have done it. But um, this, to me, is a great example of Shane Waldron holding on to a play for a while and saying, 
Okay, now's the time, week eight. Let's go ahead and, and, uh, and put it to work. Yeah, and, and as Steve had mentioned and you, we'd been running that play, and they were expecting something. Their defensive tackle ran right upfield. I mean, he ran right by him. <laughs> it's like uh, he has the ball. But he probably thought, again, there's going to be some form of trap or something on this thing. But it, you're, you're right. I thought Shane called a really good game. Uh, he did a lot of cool things, you know, early in the game, obviously late in the game. But this is also just Bobo making a play. And, you know, he'll never be timed again in the 40 the rest of his life. It does not matter. But he's got just a feel for the game and some athletic ability that, you know, he stopped, made a cut. He's big. He, he scores a touchdown. We got not three touchdowns? Uh, he's got at least. Back of the end zone? No, yeah. two. No, no, that was, that, was just, that was a running. He's got two receiving ones. Yeah, and remember we had the, oh, you're the right. coach. Yeah. The coach had, and the very right. first one is when mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett went and got in the football. Right. Um, that was more in the back of the end zone, his first one. Three touchdowns from an undrafted free agent? Come we'll, on, man. We'll take it. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right, this next play, Julian Love picks off P.J. Walker after a heads-up play by Jamal Adams. Third down and three, Walker from the shotgun. Slots to both sides. Forward in the backfield. Walker's going to throw. Ball tipped up in the air. Ball is intercepted by Love. Love gets it just inside the 45-yard line. The Seahawks defense does it again. They do what they have to do. They tip the ball up. Jamal with the tip. Love with the pick. The Seahawks now in great field position. And we have reached the two-minute warning. 1.57 to play in the game. Seattle with the ball back. They trail by three. Yeah, it's just, oh, it's just a huge play. I mean, you know, nothing magical here. We, we decided to, to bring um, Jamal Adams, uh, it, so we sent five guys after the quarterback. Jamal actually came underneath the tackle. Guard was a little late in, in sliding out. They actually had numbers to, to pick this up. But Jamal, being heads up, uh, jumped <laughs> high and... I don't know if I've ever actually seen a play like that before where a quarterback drills him right in the helmet, and boy, we needed it because there was right around two minutes left in the game. Yeah. Uh, maybe three. I can't remember the exact time, but we needed a turnover. We needed a big play at that moment, and we got it. And then I think Julian Love has been, is playing as well as anybody we have on our team right now. We, we are so deep. We do not have a weakness on defense right now. And we can play so many different combinations. So heads up on uh, Jamal Adams, but a nice play by, uh, by Julian Love as well. Yeah, I, I got a question for you. Like, people look at this play and think, oh, that's the easy interception by Julian Love. I look at this and I go, that reminds me of a receiver being wide open, running down the field, and that football is just hanging in the air, and it seems like it's happening for a long time, man. What, what is it like for Julian Love? And then it's different, yeah, it's, too, because it's not fun. guys, are, he's in the middle. It's not like he's he's 20 yards behind the, the deepest guy. He's right in the mix and got to go up there and make a play. Well, and on top of that, I can't who, – who's uh, running there as well? It might be Jordan Brooks. I can't remember. So Jordan's looking for the ball, too. I mean, they could have ran into each other. But the ball is not a spiral to you. I was telling right. them, why is it so hard? They always go, oh, a DB dropped a, a ball. They, that's why they play defense back, not wide receiver. I said, no, because it's not thrown to you. You have to go get the football. And it's, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, a wobbly pass or it's thrown behind you or low. 
And so, yes, those ones are very similar to, I just broke, you know, a 90-yard potential touchdown. No one's within 20 yards of me. Please don't drop this. <laughs> and that's not what you want to be thinking when you're trying to catch a football. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've thought that several times. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't drop it. <laughs> All right, this next play, Geno Smith finds JSN for the game-winning touchdown. Geno from the shotgun. Lock it wide to the far side. JSN, he gets the throw near side. Turns out field. Got a blocker. Touchdown, Seahawks. No flags. DK Metcalf with a great block. Jackson Smith and Jigba turns up field and takes it in the front corner of the end zone. What a drive by the Hawks. Thank you, Julian Love, for the pick. And Seattle goes back on top, 23-20. to so we talked with JSN earlier, who shows his quicks on his play. But let me ask you, when you watch this from the end zone, does this look like an RPO? That's what he said. He said it was an RPO. Oh, he did say yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, I didn't hear yeah. him say that. He said um, when your name is mentioned in an RPO, you okay. get a bit excited. Th- yeah. That's so foreign to me. That's news. I don't know what offenses are telling people. What made you think? Well, what gave you the indication it was an RPO? Our offensive line. And you go and watch our center and our right guard. I mean, they are aggressively blocking that. And I see... Uh, Charbonnet starts to step inside initially for it. Gino doesn't even look for the handoff. Right. He just it's, it's quick game outside. And what impressed me, uh, there's a lot of things that impressed me, is it looks like a run to the, the people who are having to defend the run. But JSN's quickness around here, I mean, they got this covered. He's got the guy on him covered. He just runs away from this yeah. guy. It's not even close. And obviously, DK you know, with the block slash no hold um, is beautiful. I think um, this is good coaching, too, and a good play design because you have an RPO, but you're throwing the football behind the line of scrimmage. So you're telling your offensive lineman, you can climb to that second level because we're throwing the football behind the line of scrimmage so there's no illegal man down the field. If this were an RPO where Jason were crossing the line of scrimmage, then – you know, it, it's not going to be – it's harder for the offensive line to play that because they got to kind of wait to see and feel what the running back is doing behind them. So, no, I, I like this, man. You get pressure off the edge. You're one-on-one with the safety. It's two-on-two on the outside. You, you like those numbers, especially oh, yeah, with sure. a guy like JSN with a ball in his hand. Look at Bradford on this play. Watch our right guard, number 75. Look how strong this man is. Yeah. This man moves people. So why don't you tell the audience, I know we all know what RPO is, but why don't you just tell them what RPO is. So an RPO is a run pass option. What Geno does is there's a defender that they are throwing off of. Now, in this formation right here, you got a too high, you got a too high safety look, and you have a nickel, I believe, that's inside of Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's reading him. He goes, look, if he – bites on the play fake, or if he blitzes, I'm going to throw the bubble screen to JSN. If he stays, then I'm going to run the, I'm going to run, or if he bubbles out with JSN, I'm going to run the football. So Gino, I think they showed the, the blitz pre-snap. That's why he was able just to eliminate handing the football off to Zach Charbonnet and say, all right, we got two on two on outside. I'm going to give it to my youngster and let him do his thing. Because they pretty much send the house on this thing. I'm even looking at the free safety. He's got the tight end. There's, it's zero coverage. Yeah. It, or it, it looks like two initially, like mm-hmm. you said. And then yeah. they bring the guy off the corner on JSN side. The safety ends up picking. He's looking at the tight end. So this is an all-out blitz. And so I guess one thing we don't really talk about is what a great um, decision by Gino. Yeah. You know, so, because I don't know if we'd had anything in the run game. I don't think we would have. 
All right, man. Those are your three plays. We're breaking stuff down. When we return, it's time to talk that talk, man. We're going to talk about uh, three things there. It could be <laughs> Leonard Williams. It could be the Ravens, Geno Smith. Oh, no, Jason Peters. All go. of that and more, man. Hey, um, make sure you get out to the Bellevue Collection Dining District. So many great restaurants to choose from today. Amen. We had our pre-show meal at Central Bar and Restaurant. I had, like I said, I'm basic. I had the steak tacos. If you got good tacos, I'm at least give it a try and, and, and see what's up with it. What you have? I, I went tacos too, but I went with halibut. A little more refined than steak um, with a little bit of, can see, they, they get my humor. A little bit of <laughs> cauliflower and uh, a lot of water. All right, make sure you join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court. We have a chance to win gift cards from the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Central Bar and Restaurant in Daniel's Broiler. Like I said, when we return, we will talk that talk. That's next right here on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. We're live, baby. It's Hawks Live. We're still live in this piece. What? We got our soldiers, man. These are our our Hawks Live soldiers, right? Well, I Once think- you get to the, the the second to last in the last segment, these are the ones who really care about you, Paul Moyer. You I remember that. I well, I know our peeps. I mean, but I've not seen our crowd clear out quite that <laughs> fast before after JSN left, but uh this is still our, our most favorite place. They, they treat us right. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. All right. It's time to talk that talk. You ready to do this? Yeah. All right. This is where we go back and forth. We bring up some topics, and uh, Moyer reads one, I read one, and we try to agree or disagree, right? And the first one, I'll go ahead and get us going, man. Leonard Williams makes this a Super Bowl caliber defense. Is that true? False thoughts? What do you think? Well, I certainly have liked the direction our defense has gone since – They've been saying since week four, we're the number one defense in the league since week four. Now we're in what, week eight, uh, nine? We had a bye week, so week nine. So, you know, we're, we're talking a four or five game stretch there. So that's pretty good. Um, but I believe so. And, and, and the reason why is it allows us from a matchup standpoint. I think the biggest reason why we ended up getting Leonard Williams was the offensive lines were about to face. Yeah. Philly is a great offensive line. You, you, we got to have some girth in the in the middle there. We're, we're, we're not that big defensive line, so you got to have that. And then same thing, we got 49ers twice and obviously this week against Baltimore. Here's what I will tell you. A bunch of my talk that talk stuff is going to be decided after this weekend. I, I was going to say this. It really is because if we can dom- – I don't want to say dominate. It's going to be a tough game. This yeah. is a tough game we're about to play. You know, Lamar Jackson's completing 70% of his passes. He's having a great year. They've got receivers all over the board. They've got a good line. Defense is really sound, physical. But I think we are, too. And if we go and beat Cleveland, the number one defense at the time, and I don't know, is Baltimore number one now? Yep. So back-to-back, I don't don't know if that's there. That may be the first time in history for the Seahawks. Back-to-back number one defenses that you're going to face. Um, it'll say a lot this week. But I, I do believe it makes us a Super Bowl-caliber defense. I thought we were pretty close before that. See, I didn't think we were that close. I thought the Hawks were a get-out-of-the-wild-card-and-see-what-happens type of team. But then things start to happen. The Niners lose three in a row. 
The Hawks find a way to beat a really good defense. The game they didn't lose as of late was against the Bengals. You felt like they could have won that. Should have won that. Should have won that. So they started to show me some things where I'm like, okay, this team is better than I expected. And I, honestly, the defense is better than I expected. I thought the offense would be the side of the ball to kind of push them yeah. uh, towards greatness. So I look at this pick and I go, I love the pick. You need help in the interior. It still allows room for the outside guys to grow. And what the interior guys do is they force the quarterback to vacate and help these outside edge rushers. So I look at them and I go, Super Bowl caliber defense? I'll see after this week. So so I say no, not yet. So let me ask you a question. This is a fun segment. Do you see a weakness in our defense? No. Because we can match up in the secondary. That, that's what's been missing, right? Yeah. And then I think Jordan Brooks, along with Bobby Wag, Jordan Brooks is, I mean, he's playing electric. He's playing elite, right. elite stuff, man. And then you throw in Mafe, what he's starting to do. And I, again, Draymond Jones does not get enough credit and Jaron Reed, what they've been able to do. And then Bobby has got this, you know, fountain of youth thing that's just kicked in. And, hey, and we haven't seen Jamal's best game yet. No, either. he's getting better. He's getting healthier yep. and healthier. So I say not quite. They're really close, though, in my opinion. Yeah. Really close. So I, I, this kind of goes to my next question. Maybe we've already answered it. But the Seahawks, when they win on Sunday, will it shift your expectations for this season? Yeah, definitely. Now, this is um, – they got a gauntlet coming up, right? Yes, they do. You got the Niners twice within a few weeks. You got Philly. You got the Cowboys. But this is like the warm-up before the month-long gauntlet. So if they get this done in Baltimore, mm-hmm. East Coast, they've been great on the East Coast, so I, I don't even think that's a factor anymore. It's more just matching up. You're playing against one of the more responsible quarterbacks in the league right now. I don't think Lamar gets enough credit for what he's doing over there. He's got a new offensive coordinator in Monk who came over from the University of Georgia. Um, he started the season kind of slow, trying to figure out who he is and how he fits. You got Zay Flowers over there, who I feel like is the best rookie receiver so far this year. Um, his run after the catch is crazy. There's only three or four elite tight ends in the league every year. They got one over there in Mark Andrews. Odell Beckham is is banged up. I don't expect much out of him. But they also have uh, Gus Edwards in the backfield and Hill as well. Edwards is banged up. Beckham is banged up. We'll see if they play. So if they get this done, this is a quality win. Lamar Jackson is something like 17, 18, and 1 against NFC opponents um, throughout his career. He's, uh, I think he's like the third most winningest quarterback in the last, like, X amount of years. There are a lot of hidden stats when you look at the Baltimore Ravens. So if they win this, to me, they go from a get-out-of-the-wild-card type of team to you're continuing to get into the NFC Championship. Yeah, I'm really excited about this game because I, I really think we match up well defensively with them, and obviously getting Williams in is, is going to be good. It definitely changes for me because now you go 6-2. and two. We got the Washington the following week at home. You're 7-2. and two. Then we go on this gauntlet. Um, but the gauntlet is the 49ers twice, Philly and, and the Cowboys. So right. I mean, that's, that, that's a road, right? But now you're, as I mentioned. And the Rams, too. Well, I'm not worried about the Rams. Well, the Rams always play as Yeah, Yeah. I get it. And don't get me wrong. We played a bad half versus them. Yeah. We had the lead at halftime in the opener. I just, we we had a bad half. I mean, to me, that's the only thing that's that's hurt us this year. And we couldn't score in the red zone versus Cincinnati. We dominated that game. We dominated both sides of the ball. Right. We just couldn't get the thing in the end zone. That's going to be important this week as well. But you're seven and two after you, if you win this game and, and, and the, you got Washington. 
I got Arizona, the Rams. I'm just I'm just throwing numbers out. Now I'm nine and two. Yeah. I get if I split those four games, you know, we're eleven and four. And I, I don't even remember who else we got left, but uh, games that we can we obviously can win. This game it sets up the whole season, and I think it makes them realize we can play against any type of football. We can play powerhouse. We can match up with a team like Cincinnati that throws a ton out of the football. 49ers may want to run it a ton. Um, yes, it, it changes everything for me after this weekend. This is what I need to see. The Rams, excuse me, the Ravens have eight interceptions as a team that's top 10. Geno Stone, the safety over there, has five of them things on his own. Mm. Kyle Hamilton over there is a good safety as well. So um, different type of challenge this week. Last Very week, different. it was all about the box. It was all about that defensive line. This week, you respect that defensive line because they do lead the league when it comes to sacks. But the back end is a, it's a bit more better at that safety spot. There, it's going to be tough. I'm really interested in the game plan. It's going to be hard to run on these guys. Last week, you know, we talked about you know, Cleveland was upfield. They wanted to get through and knife between a guard and a tackle or a center and a guard. They were upfield, upfield, upfield. So they created havoc, but with that, they also created lanes. So you could hit on a big play, and we hit on some big runs. This team is, they are bull rush, run first, a little bit two gap, and then they get, and then they're aggressive in, the, in their pass rush. So it's really an interesting challenge this yep. week. I agree. All right, here's one for you. Gino will outplay Lamar Jackson on Sunday. I'm talking better completion percentage. Lamar is completing 70% of his passes. He's accounted for 14 touchdowns overall, nine passing, five rushing. Has only turned the ball over three times, three interceptions. What do you think about that matchup? That, that is that is the matchup. Because look, I think like last week, our defense needed to outplay Cleveland. We did. I think. I think Geno has to outplay Lamar. Now, he's not going to have as many rushing yards, but I think he has to get more total yards. He has to have a higher completion percentage. And because I'm picking us to win this game and and Geno has to outplay him, I'm going to say yes, and I don't know how confident I am in that. <laughs> I think Geno can not play as good as Lamar, and the Hawks can still win this game because they can rely on the run and their defense. And I think that sometimes quarterbacks look great in between the 20s. You get in the red zone and things happen. But I think this is the game that Geno gets right. It's been a while, right? The last two weeks, he's had five turnovers, I want to say. And two, a, two of them in the red zone. Last year, he did not throw. He, he had 17, 17. touchdowns, yeah. zero interceptions. Uh -huh. This year, he's eight and two. I want to say eight touchdowns, two interceptions. He's got to get above 50% completion in the red zone. No turnovers. All right. So I'm going to say Geno Smith will outplay Lamar Jackson. Let's go. And I'm right there with you. I'm just trying to put it out into the universe. Had that thing circle around, <laughs> land in Baltimore. And you know what they say? You know what? We got you because the Hawks have been playing some good football defensively. And sometimes that's all it takes, right? Your defense, hold it down, hold yeah. it down. Let the offense try to figure it out. They rest for 100 yards a couple of weeks ago with Ken Walker. You get JSN involved, Jake Bubbles involved. Uh, DK was sick last week. So now I think all is going to be healthy. All is going to be well. And we'll get it done. I'm hoping so. Lamar is, Lamar is a problem. So hopefully we got something for him. All right. Well, we got something. We got one more. 
One more segment to go. We got something for our faithfuls right here. Go Cougs. I see you with the hat right there, baby. All right. Coming up next, we'll give you our show recap and final thoughts. Keys to victory. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumas with Paul Moyer. We are live at Bellevue Square Center Court. This is the part of the uh, the show where my posture changes. I'm leaning back now, <laughs> kicking it. I'm with the family, you know. We're, we're if we could have beverages, we would have beverages right now. And you came up with a good uh, a good suggestion for this segment, more year. I want to say more Yeezy, and then no, I then I said more yay, more yay, and I, then I got all my words mixed up. So more yay, okay, more yay. Yeah, All I don't right. want to mess with. I don't want to. I can't get into B Walt's right, world. I feel you. I, I respect that about you, man. I respect that. So we're gonna go through the Hawks' schedule, and Moria wants to predict what their win loss is going to be at the end of this year. So when you look at it, talk me through it, Moria. What are you thinking? Well, because we talked about how important this game is, and we'll know a lot more. And again, this weekend won't define this team. We're going to keep getting better. We're young. You know, we got Leonard Williams. You know, it's going to take a bit as well. But if we win, which I'm counting on us winning, we go to six and two. The next game we have Washington here. Win mm-hmm. seven two. We're seven and two. Then we go to the Rams. I'm just telling you, that's a win. I mean, uh, Stafford has got a bit of a sprain in his elbow. They're they're just. We had a bad second half. I don't expect that again, even though they are a bit of a, a pain in our side. But now we're 8-2, and two, and it gets interesting because now we got San Francisco Thursday night at home. Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. Oh, we got to win that one, and that, that's revenge to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm winning that one. Sorry, guys. I'm taking that win. That's, so you're taking the next four. Well, because I think it's favorable. I got Washington, the Rams. Look, Baltimore's to me is the – is the litmus test, right? And right. That, okay, where, where are we truly? And if, if we lose that one, we'll have to redefine ourselves a little bit with, you know, the 49ers in Dallas. But I'm getting that one. At Dallas the following Thursday, which is really cool because the Cowboys play on Thursday. We play on Thursday. We all come back the following Thursday. That's going to be a great game. I, I'll give that one to them. I don't, you know, I think the Cowboys are pretty good. Uh, we're going to have a big following there, though. I know There's a ton of people I've, I've talked to that are going there. So now we're 9-3. and three. We're at the 49ers. I'm going to give that one to them, even though I think we're going to beat them. I just split. You know, yeah, yeah. we split it. So yeah. now, now we're 9-4. and four. Philadelphia at home, look, you, it's prove-it time. we, we got to get that one. 10-4. and four. I think we match up well with them, too, but I, that'll, be a, that'll be a playoff game. Then you got Tennessee at Tennessee. Do we win that one? I'm winning the one at home at Philly. Philly? Okay. Yeah, I'm going 10-4. and four. Look, I'm, I'm taking us to – you asked me if we're a Super Bowl caliber <laughs> defense. Then we're at Tennessee and we got Pittsburgh and Arizona. You Come win on. those. You win those. Come on. I mean, what if we stumble on one of those? We're talking 13 and 4, 12 and 5. That's so weird, odd number. But that's why this game this Sunday is so big. Yeah. So big. I, I agree 100% with your analysis of the schedule. The only thing that would derail anything that happens – knock on wood are players injuries going down right and and at some point someone's going to go down that's just how the nfl works hopefully it's it's not someone that you really depend on but on the flip side you can look at the other teams and say 
they're going to deal with the same thing, right? You got to stay healthy. We see the 49ers and what they're dealing with in their health. It just right? shows you, man. Matthew Stafford um, is an old man in the NFL. We'll see how that works. Dak Prescott is one of the most unreliable, expensive quarterbacks the league has to offer for you. And then who is Tennessee? Well, Will Levis threw for three touchdowns, yeah. four touchdowns uh, last week. Did they win the game tonight? We haven't been paying attention. I think they, Anybody they, they were up like 10 or 13 nothing. We'll Steelers won. Oh, Steelers came back Steelers and beat won. them. So the Steelers won. Steelers got that game. Let me pull Man, up. They're always tough. But we got, we got the Steelers at home. Um, can I ask you a question? You can ask me whatever you want to, Paul. You, we were talking about injuries. What's the one player on this team? We can't lose. It's Gino. It's Gino. I, I, I agree with that. Don't get me wrong. And it, it would hurt us because Gino is our leader. And he, I think he's I know where you're me. going, though. I, but I'm like, you know, I, I, think, I think Drew could, could weather the storm for us. But, okay, take away the weather, quarterback. He, he's got to win. He well, I, th- I, I think we could yeah. is my point. Forget the quarterback. Name me one player we can't lose. Right now, the way he's playing, I think it's Jordan Brooks. I'm, I might go. I, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on it. We lost Cross. You for can't a while. be with me both times to come with someone else. Who, no, who are you I, thinking? Uh, um, number 21. I was going to say that. I, number I, I 21. I just what, what he does match up inside, outside, his toughness. To me, it makes us a complete secondary. Um, I'd hate to lose anybody, but I think we have depth at a lot of positions. That one to me would really hurt. Okay. Ain't mad at it. No. I'm not mad at any of y'all either. Our fans who <laughs> stayed here. Amen. Even after the young man, JSN, left, man, we appreciate you guys. Special thanks to John Radigan, Jackson Smith, and Jigba for joining the show. Our board operator is Max Strobel. On-site engineer is the lovely Brenna Rogers. Production assistant is Chauncey Sanders. And our executive producer is Nash Choey. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumbus, with my man, Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.